hey, have you ever heard this uh, question of, of, of belief that they call it, that the argument that Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was Lord? Have you ever heard that argument? C.S. Lewis popularized it in the 40s, but it's actually from the from the 18th century, or 19th century, it's an argument from them. It goes like this, that, that Christ either, one, deceived mankind by conscious fraud, which would make him a liar, or he was himself deluded and self-deceived, or he thought he was Lord, but he wasn't. And so, therefore, a lunatic. That's the David Koresh, Jim Jones category, For just in case you need to know where that, where that fits in. Or, he was what he said he was, he was divine. He's liar, lunatic, or lord. Our text today sort of deals with some of that, and I just wanted to sort of set you into a tone that, that this sort of argument was designed specifically to combat a teaching that happened in the 19th century and moved through the 20th century and is still going on a little bit, that we have to peel away the layers of the New Testament to get to a historical Jesus. And in order to do that, you end up with Jesus. Well, the, the Jesus Seminar was the main group that was kind of doing that in the, in the 20th century. And their main thing was to get Jesus down to, um, well, he was really just a good teacher, and so in the midst of that argument, this thought came forward. Watch Mani brought it forward in, in China as well, that Jesus didn't leave that option open as just a good teacher. He was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. Let's talk about this. I'm going to read some scripture, and we'll talk through some of this stuff, but how the Bible sort of deals with some of this stuff. And, and maybe I'll go someplace you didn't expect me to on this. It's probably likely, actually. This is from Matthew 16. This is how likely it is that I'm going to do something different than you expected because I'm in Matthew 16 and not Matthew 14, and that is not Roxanne's fault. That is Dave's fault because I miswrote the letter or the number. This is Matthew 16. One day the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to test Jesus, demanding that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were two of the ruling parties of the time. There is some slight theological differences between them. It doesn't really matter at this point what those were, but the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the priests were the main group, and some, sometimes there was people in multiple groups. He, he replied, <clears throat> you know the saying, Red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then Jesus left them and went away. Does anybody know in the room, do you know what, the, what he meant by the sign of Jonah? Anybody know what he meant? I just about called on you, Diane. You adjusted your glasses by putting your hand up, and I, you, just about got to, you just about got to share. <laughs> Nobody? No one? No one? Three, day, three days in the whale. Don't ever get caught in the argument about whether that was a fish or a whale. The main part of that sign was is that 
he was dead and brought back. That's, that's the meaning of the three days, the implication of the three days. It doesn't say that, but the sign of Jonah, I really like the Jonah story. Just think, you could come out smelling like fish or whale vomit, and God could still use you. <laughs> that's the part I like the best. God can still use you no matter how bad you've blown it. Jonah, Jonah, by the way, was on a boat fleeing the presence of God, trying to get away from God somewhere on earth. Let me, let's think through that for just 22 seconds or so. How far do you have to go on earth to get away from God? Is that, a, is that an effort that's going to work? No, okay. There's lots of efforts, lots of work that we do as, as humans that just don't work out for us. And no matter how hard we try, they're just not going to. Fleeing the presence of the Lord on earth is just one of those. It's just not going to work very well because, well, we'll get in. That's another sermon. Anyway, later they crossed, after they crossed the lake to the other side, the disciples discovered that they had forgotten to bring any bread. This all goes together, and you can see. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, and he said, You have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about not having bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember I fed 5,000 with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers were collected afterwards? Or the 4,000 I fed with seven loads and the large baskets of leftovers you picked up? Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again, I say, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The presence of the disciples is just always awesome to me because I just love this. Has the Bible ever done, or, or maybe even your Pastor Dave, has he ever just done a flyby on you and you just missed the point? That's what the, the Pharisees, the, the, the disciples are here, and they just don't get it. There's a place for you in the world, in the world of faith for those of you that just don't get it. There's a place right there. The disciples are just like you and me. There's sometimes I just, it just comes and it hits me and I go, Huh? Can you make that? I I prom. Huh? Yeah, make that sound. This is the way. Huh? Yeah. I could practice doing that in different ways. It, it's it's just one of those things. So there's a spot in the scripture for you to to just be there. But the point is, when you're when you're in the spot of needing correction or not understanding, just be patient. God will provide some of that help for you. Anyway, the thing is, then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast and bread, but about the deceptive teaching of Pharisees and Sadducees. I don't think that's, I don't think that's me. I think that was something else. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how my feedback was causing it. Anyway. Jesus, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. In another place, they say, he's the new Moses. 
And when he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. I'm going to stop right there in a second and and just talk about these who do you say I am moments and the yeast. I, I don't think it's really going to be super helpful for us today to go into what Jesus was talking about the yeast of the Pharisees was, but we have kind of a yeast of today's teaching that sort of gets in us. And I just want to say, beware of the yeast of the culture you're in that just teaches you things that maybe aren't so helpful. So one of the yeast, let me, let me say this, we're coming to the end of what I would call the age of reason, which is um, because of postmodernism, things like that, the age of reason is going. But one of the fruit of the age of reason was this that you can reason your way, that reason itself was the image of God in people. And so you could reason your way, your ability to reason was how God worked in you, and you could reason your way to salvation. Beware of the yeast of that, as that works its way through there. You know what they did with that belief? Well, let me just, you know, if we go back a couple hundred years, they were using that yeast, uh, reason as the image of God in humanity as a way to make sure that the slaves in America stayed slaves. They can't reason. They're like little children. They're ours. If they, they would be lost without us. Yes, because they haven't had any education or anything. They also used it, I, by the way, it, there was a strong contingent that said that really only men can reason, and so they held that against women. Beware of the yeast of the culture that you're in. Does that make sense when I say it that way? Beware of that. That's, that's not really a good plan to sort of do that. The yeast of when my growing up and when I came to faith was really the self-help books. Beware of that, that that you can just do it on your own. Beware of the yeast that if you just do it harder, whatever you're doing would be better if you just just work harder at it. That, How many of you have tried that? Oh, you don't have to raise your hands, but if you do, thank you for raising your hand back there. I, I'll, I'll just be your poster child up here. I tried really hard to just be better. But when you find out, you get, you get to the spot where it doesn't work. Now, now, who do they say I am, Jesus asks. How do we get to a spot where we can call him Lord and not liar and lunatic? Or John the Baptist. Let me just say that the people that thought he was John the Baptist, let me just, just call them on that. Weird. Weren't they alive at the same time? I mean, they were seen together in public a couple times. That's just weird. No, John the Baptist has died. Who do they say? Well, you're John the Baptist. Excuse me? I mean, wasn't, weren't the, that would be like saying, I'm going to come over here, and if I sat next to Roxanne, I said, who do the people say I am? And they say, well, they say you're Roxanne. No, there she is. That would be weird, wouldn't it? I mean, aside from the fact of how different we are, because <laughs> they would never say that. But that's weird. But let's talk a little bit about who, I mean, it could be a compliment. What if, what, what was John the Baptist to them? What was the role that John the Baptist held in their community? Well, tradition talks about a time where, the, where, 
where they felt like God had, had abandoned them and they didn't have any prophets for a long period of time. One of the statements of the, of the rabbinical writings said it was like the heavens had turned to brass and all their prayers went up and hit off the brass and came right back and weren't heard by God, that they just didn't have any prophets or God leading going on. John the Baptist John the Baptist was a sign that God's leading and his prophecy, his prophets were possibly returning. That's a cool thing. Who do you say I am? John the Baptist. That's a compliment, isn't it? I mean, even if it's a little weird that John the Baptist was alive during Jesus' life, and they were cousins. Is Jesus John the Baptist? Is he the return of of God's leading to his people and speaking through prophets. Well, yes, he, he was that. Was he only that? No. What about, what about the ones that said he was the new Moses? I mean, who's Moses to them? They did this. He had fed them 5,000. They went to make him king, and they said, he's the new Moses. Because Why? They'd been out in the desert and they'd been given bread. That sort of sounds like Moses in the desert when they were hungry on their trip and they got manna in the desert. And so they went out to the desert and they got bread. That's their founding story. They got, they got their foundation of their life and practice from Moses. He was the lawgiver and judge and righteous judge and all this. Is Jesus reincarnated Moses or is he, he just a new Moses, a new lawgiver? That's a pretty nice title, isn't it? I mean, that's complimentary. Is he that? Well, yes, he was that. But was he only that? Would you understand that from, on your own? Or Elijah. Why is Elijah a big deal? You know, there's this story where Jesus goes up on the mountain and he's transfigured and he, and he looks like polished bronze and, and the light shines through him and he meets Moses and Elijah. Why Moses? Because he was the lawgiver. Why Elijah? He is the prototype of prophets. When they talk about the prophets, they always start with Elijah. That Moses was the law and the law and the prophets. And so you have Moses and Elijah. He's Elijah. He is the source of this prophecy and leading. That is really complimentary. Except he's not only that. He's not only that. How do we get beyond understanding of the, of the paradigms and the understandings that we have? How do we get beyond that? How do we begin to learn about who God is and how he works in our life or anything like that? Do we do that on our own? No. I see one no over here. I see a couple shaking heads. You know how in, in seminary they explain it this way. They use this fancy term called progressive revelation. Have you ever heard that terminology before, progressive revelation? It starts small. God spoon feeds his people some information. It's so much better than the fire hose or the plunger. In case you get so much information, you just get overwhelmed, you shut down, you go, huh. I can't handle that, and you walk out of the room. 
No, he, so he gives you a little bit of information, and, and once you sort of understand that and, and you incorporate it into your life, there's a little bit more information, and, and that revelation progresses, and you get to understand. And it doesn't mean that God's changing during that progressive revelation, but your understanding of him is changing because you get more information. But what did we need? We, what we needed was, was exampled in the Israelites. The Israelites, before Jesus came, would say, God is like this. And Jesus' whole role on earth was to come down and show us exactly what God was like. And he would say that himself. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only do what I see the Father. If the Father's doing it, I'm doing it. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what Jesus was doing. He's got a role in the progressive revelation of who Jesus, who God is in our lives and all this. But would we have understood that on our own? I mean, on our own, Jesus is a really good teacher. He's one of the law or the prophets. He's John the Baptist. How do we get from he's a really good teacher to Savior? progressive revelation jesus says it this way this is one of this is one of those places where there's been a long-standing fight in the church the whole western church over and so we'll i'll get to that when we get there but it goes like this who do you say i am simon peter answered you are the messiah the son of the living god jesus replied you are blessed simon son of john because my father in heaven has revealed this to you You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Why is that? Do you know where where the big controversy is over that? There's this argument in the church about whether Jesus is going to build his church on a person named Peter or on the statement of faith that Peter makes. Do you know that argument? The Roman Catholic Church or everybody else in the Protestant world? The Roman Catholic Church would say, well, he built his church on Peter and Peter's the first pope. And so then they draw their lines back to Peter as to who's in charge of the church and all that, except for the, the term Pope wasn't used for a couple, for at least a century, probably more than that. And so they draw this line and the Pope came to real prominence in the Roman, in the, in the Christian world. The, the real leadership of the Pope happened through a series of events of the Bishop of Rome was consistently on the right side of the argument for a long time. That's well done. Good job, right? If you consistently are on all the side of all the councils and all the, all the arguments that everybody's having. And then through a series of other events, the Holy Roman Emperor needed to be crowned by somebody with some authority. And so he crowned him. And, then, and so this, this, this Pope image keeps, he's the one that crowns kings. That's a big deal. And so it became this thing after all. It wasn't always that the, the whole Christian world looked to Rome. They didn't. But I'm going to tell you that I don't think that this in this context was ever about Peter. 
It was about the statement of faith that Peter made that you are the son of God and you didn't, get, you didn't figure this out on your own. God gave this information to you and by faith, you spit it out. Here's the second biggest argument in the Christian world. Are you ready for it? Are you saved by your faith or Jesus' faith? That might even be bigger than the Peter one. I see Ken smiling over there. That's bigger than the Peter one, isn't it? Are you saved by your faith or by Jesus' faith? Faith in Jesus, the faith of Jesus. Let me tell you the Romans 3.22 verse doesn't have either of those words in it. You have to supply it from the Greek. I will tell you where I come down. It's from this word. It's from these words right here. Because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you, you did not learn this from any human being. If you have faith like a mustard seed, you could move mountains. If God's faith is implanted in you, then you and he progressively reveals and gives you enough information and then gives you the ability to see who Jesus is, then you can see who Jesus is and place your faith in him. Now, for some of you, that sounds really easy and you remember that as that fun thing. For me, I just remember pounding my head against the wall trying to do it on my own. My dad has this sign in his office and it says, hit head here. And I'm hard-headed. I think that sign was there for me, except for my dad and I are a lot alike. And so I just, I, I, I had to first find out that, that maybe I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Anyone? Anybody else ever have to figure that out? Okay, don't raise your hand. This, this is a silent rhetorical question. But I had to figure out that I wasn't as good as I I thought I was, that my efforts couldn't make that better. Beware of the yeast of the generation that you're in, that the self-help projects start with I'm okay and you're okay. But you have to figure out that your effort isn't going to make it any better and then as God continues to spoon feed me, I'm just self-biographying here for you so that you can, you can just live into that moment and see yourself in the moment that, that not only was I not any good and that my efforts weren't making it better, but that there was an alternative path that would work. Because let me say it this way. If my efforts are, and my goodness is going to get me somewhere, let me ask you this question. Uh, I, I will say in, in maybe a hundred years, all of us, see, I'm being real generous. In a hundred years, all of us are going to be in the grave somehow. How's your goodness helping you get out of that? That's a, that's a way to say that, isn't it? Is your goodness helping you get out of the grave? That's not what the promise of the Bible is. Your promise of the Bible is, is that you don't get out of that on your own. You need help. And so you have to learn this. So you have to, well, I need help. Well, I I fall short. I can't do it. I need help. There is help. Who's the appropriate help? And then you find find Jesus. And then this is not something we learn on our own. This is something that's given to us. Let me read read you the scripture, and then I'll I'll just close with, with one more takeaway for us. Here it is. This is Ephesians chapter 2. 
And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, the yeast of your generation, the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is at work in the sons of disobedience. Now, you might not think of yourself as a son or a daughter of disobedience. I'll just live there for you. I was. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, there's my favorite word in scriptures, those of you who know that, but, you were in one situation except, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his kindness and gr- the grace of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. There's the thing. Is it your faith or is it God's faith? No one gets to boast, man, my faith made it. God put the ability to understand in you and and then he called you to this spot. So why do I go into all this stuff today? Who do you say he is? And how do you get to a spot where he's not just a good moral teacher? He's not just one of the prophets. He's not the giver of the law. He's not just those things. You get there because God gives you the ability to see it, and he puts the ability to believe it inside you. God revealed this to you, not other people. Blessed are you when you see that. Blessed are you when you see that. But who do you say you, he is changes the way you live your life. It really does. Let me just explain that one step further. If I think of Jesus as a liar and he's not telling the truth, then my life will not reflect any of his teaching, will it? Who do you say, well, he's a liar? If I say he's a lunatic, well, even less am I going to follow him. Jesus was a lunatic, that stuff, and all his followers are nuts. I'm a nut. I just admit it. But if he's Lord, then it will change your life, and it will be visible. So it's not just what comes out of your mouth, but what lives in your heart, isn't it? Who do you say he is? Let me just throw that little rock into the puddle and see if there are any ripples. Who do you say he is? Lord. Yes. And and blessed are you, this is revealed to you by the Father. It is not of yourself and not of your own faith, lest anybody should boast. Beware of the Pharisee of the age, the yeast of the age. Beware of the teaching that just says, oh, you'll just get, it's all right. Everybody has their own truth. We live in that age, don't we? Beware of that yeast. Cling to Jesus. He's the way. Let's pray.